Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. I repent in dust and ashes. Job 42 verses 3 and 6 Welcome to Canaanbaum Podcast, a podcast designed to offer the Christian rest during life's journey, featuring devotional segments and music by those who support the teaching of the Wisconsin Evangelical Lutheran Synod, The Wells. My name is Tom Barthel, glad to be serving as your host for this episode. This is episode number 137. We'll begin with God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's word for you. Job 42, verses 1 to 9. We have come to the conclusion of God's speech and come to the concluding chapter of the book. Verses 1 to 3. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do all things. No purpose of yours can be thwarted. You ask, who is this that obscures my plans without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. Well, now, as Job finally speaks, he repents. He does the thing that so many find so hard to do. He lets God be God. He has heard God speak from the storm. He has heard the word of God with his own ears, and he admits his own sinfulness. He goes back to God's accusation, who is this that obscures my plan without knowledge? And he confesses that he, Job, is guilty. God did a wonderful thing for Job by simply using questions about nature to show Job his guilt. God is there in control of the ordinary, whether snow or sparrows, as well as the extraordinary like behemoth and leviathan and hurricanes. He has our best interests at heart. Verses 4 to 6. You said, this is Job speaking, Listen now and I will speak, I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, But now my eyes have seen you. Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Earlier, Job was happy to confess that one day he would see God in the flesh at the resurrection on the last day. Now Job has been blessed to see God speak from the cloud, from the storm. Did Job see more than just a thunderhead? Did he see a glimpse of God's back the way Moses did in Exodus 33? There isn't any reason to think that Job is talking about more than the cloud raging above him. Our author doesn't dwell on this. Job has repented. He has let go of of his opinion that God is unjust. God has one more thing to say, but not to Job. God addresses Job's friends. Verses 7 to 9. After the Lord had said these things to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends, because you have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So now take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and sacrifice a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer and not deal with you according to your folly. You have not spoken the truth about me as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz the Temanite, Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite did what the Lord told them. And the Lord accepted Job's prayer. God demanded a very costly sacrifice. Seven bulls and seven rams were something that the average person just wouldn't be able to afford. 
When King David dedicated the new tabernacle, he offered seven bulls and seven rams in 1 Chronicles 15. It is also the Passover sacrifice described by God in symbolic terms of Ezekiel in Ezekiel 45. But Job's friends have been rebuked by God in person. We have already observed that each of them must have been a wealthy man. They did what the Lord told them. Job prayed for his friends, and God answered Job's prayer. Is this part of the conclusion troubling? Is it dissatisfying? It shouldn't be. Job repented, and the Lord accepted his repentance without any further gesture. Job, still in agony because of his loss and his disease, simply said the words, and the Lord knew what was in his heart. As for Job's friends, the Lord demanded an outward sign of their repentance in the sacrifices, but they didn't object. They did what was asked, and there was no sin crouching at their door waiting to overcome them. The Lord accepted their repentance. God wants us to turn away from our sins and turn to him, but he also knows what is in our hearts, and he's a forgiving God. When he forgives, he forgives absolutely, without any condition or footnotes. Job was forgiven, and Job stands forgiven. Job's friends were forgiven, and they stand forgiven. You and I are forgiven in Jesus, and we stand in that forgiveness. In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. Here's a song by Branches Band based off of Psalm 51.
following devotion on 1 Peter was written by Pastor Mark Falk. 1 Peter 3, 8-12 God's Eyes on the Righteous Finally, all of you, live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. Do not repay evil with evil or insult with insult, but with blessing. Because to this you are called, that you may inherit a blessing. For whoever would, live, would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. He must turn from evil and do good. He must seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. A civil ton, living in harmony, being sympathetic, avoiding deceit, turning from evil and doing good. Now there's a day's work. In theory, it all sounds good. In practice, we may find the humility that underlies it all, a now-and-then quality in our sinful hearts. Nothing Peter writes here contradicts his gospel promise in chapter 1, where we are called to a living hope through our baptism. Our hope is in Christ. If it were in our holy life, we would have to despair. And isn't it passing interest that Peter known for his quick and brash tongue, should be one to encourage a kindler and gentler way of interacting with the world that hates the followers of his Lord. This is a day where we must pray for strength and do what God commands. It does not lie in us, not naturally, to be this way. Oh, some of us may be such quiet Christians that we never say a word to promote the truth. That is not exactly what God desires. Other of us... Others of us may be zealous for the truth, but struggle with the virtues that God commands here. We may observe each day in the rear-view mirror of our conscience, and cry out with Paul, Wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this dead body? Being saved by grace does not mean being spared from the struggle to live a holy life that pleases God in every way, and every waking and sleeping minute. Indeed, to know that our Savior put his life on the line for me and endured unspeakable treatment without violating the commands that God gives us in these verses strengthens saints for the struggle. But there is a nugget of gospel here that we should not quickly pass by. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are attentive to their prayer. In Romans 1 and elsewhere, Paul defines the righteous as those who live by faith, Righteousness through faith alone is central to the gospel. The righteousness of our perfect Savior, both his active obedience and his passive endurance of suffering, are there for the whole world to have. He has redeemed us all, even those who refuse to believe it or fail to see their need. But by faith, this righteousness of Christ has become mine and yours. So, even though we will never fully attain the righteous life in ourselves that God commands here, not in this life, God is gracious. His eyes are on those whose life is wrapped up in the sun. He not only sees us in love, His ears are attentive to our prayers.
This message was written by Pastor Mark Falk. But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. 1 Timothy 6, 11 and 12 The soldier stands in a long line, holding formation. He dare not fire a single shot until he hears the cry, Fire! But nothing happens. The commander in charge of his formation fails to act. Under such neglect, many are wounded in the battle. Some die. Despite his terrible inaction, one man still wears the commander's uniform. He is at fault and responsible for the loss. Would you ever want to be that commander? There is a spiritual battle being fought. Satan is our enemy. And we also battle against the world and our own sinful flesh. God gives us his armor, his word, and his weapon, the gospel. We understand and believe we have a sure victory. Christ has already won over all of our enemies for us by the cross and by his empty tomb. But might someone ever toss aside that victory with carelessness or with failure to take action? There is a real danger of losing the sure hope of our faith and falling into the enemy's trap. That's one reason why God has given us those who are in charge and those who are to feed his flock and guard them from danger. We call them pastors, teachers, church leaders. Not all men carry this responsibility. In fact, God lists a few important qualifications for men who serve as leaders in his church. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 3. Yet, All Christian men carry the charge to be spiritual leaders. It is good, Paul says, for men everywhere to lift up holy hands in prayer without anger or disputing. That's 1 Timothy 2, verse 8. This means all Christian fathers are to lead their homes in worship, in spiritual training, and in all spiritual activity. God wants Christian men to not only live in his word, but to lead with his word. Of course, women are also to help men in this task. They are not without an important and vital role in spiritual matters. But the charge of responsibility, first, falls on the Christian man and the Christian father. Does that make it easier for me to be at fault, for failure to act? Yes. What does God ask? He desires that Christian men pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Faithful men are to turn aside from the godlessness and faithlessness of false teachers and turn others to God's faithfulness for us. How can any father pursue all these things? We all have a father who loved us so much he held nothing back. We have a Redeemer who willingly endured the cross for our benefit to win our victory. We have a faithful Father in heaven who freely gives us his mercy and love with a gentle and compassionate heart. We turn to him for strength in the battle. We take direction from him. His faithfulness moves us into action. Our Father in heaven changes our manner of fighting the battle. The godly man doesn't lead and fight the good fight like a worldly man. He is not prideful and brandishing his iron fist. He leads in light of the gospel. He leads with freely given righteousness from God as his his own defense from sin and shame. 
He holds the sword of the Spirit without fear, confident in its power. He seeks what pleases God, his Savior. He continues with endurance through difficulty, despite the attacks of the devil, the world, and our own sinful flesh. He pursues gentleness, like that of Christ, who had compassion on those under his care. Thanks to God for providing us with strong Christian men and Christian fathers who faithfully lift up their hands to the Lord and who serve his people. God continue to give our homes and his church more Christian men who will lead the fight and who will fight the good fight, ready for action. We'll close with a song today by Cross to Glory, Just As I Am. Here comes the day again Here comes the thoughts again Here God who knows the end One thing is true Truth found in you Here comes the thought again I come with all my sin I know I've fallen short Nothing to brag Nothing to boast How can I meet you there? Just as I Just as I am Straight to your grace I run Just as I am I come Here comes the thought again The question comes rushing in Deserving the blame Taking on my sin yourself Clothing my naked self Covering me with you My burden's gone My struggle's done that's how I'll meet you there Just as I am Just as I am Straight to your grace I run Just as I am, I come. 
Here comes the thought again The joy comes rushing in I am not of this world Although I roam I have a home Here comes the thought again The peace comes rushing in I have a friend in you In God's face I'll see And you'll speak for me That's how I'll meet you there Just as I am Just as I am Straight to your grace I run Just as I am I come You have been listening to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode 137, first shared in November of 2018. For more information, visit kanenbaumpodcast.com and learn how you can support the artist whose music was featured in this episode. We encourage you to find a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Visit wells.net. Thanks for joining us, and remember his promised rest. <laughs>